0: Hello, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, June 23rd. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We're shooting for a different kind of enlightenment here. We kind of break the rules for Native radio. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We don't do spirituality shows. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us, and we'll do it. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that's heaped upon us, and we do it all right here, live from the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk Native. But first, let me remind folks that our audio streams on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com, we stream live video of the show uh, via Facebook Live on our Facebook group page pages, I should say uh and we share them across a bunch of other group pages as well we take the audio and we put up on soundcloud and we take the video and we put it up on our youtube channel so uh there the the audio is available as a podcast and the uh and the video is available as a youtube video Uh, i encourage you to um to subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv uh i am the show's host and producer i'm joined here in studio by jake proud who is managing our audio and our video Uh, Let's get into it. Um, My topic or title for the show is, This is Only the Beginning. And that is meant to be both encouraging and perhaps a little foreboding. So, let me explain. There are a lot of people who, at this stage of the game, with the protests, with the statues toppling and being removed, some are already like saying, well, yes, so what? Yeah, that's nice, but that's not real change or uh enough of this already i mean look they they take a few racist uh marketing uh images like uncle ben's and aunt jemima or even uh the uh, land of lakes logo and and you can hear certain people especially white people saying well now you're taking now you're tampering with our history and what we grew up with and and all that other stuff so there's a lot of discouragement but i'm encouraged Because we're seeing some things that, frankly, we've never seen before. We've complained about appropriation, cultural appropriation. Black people have, Native people have. But it's never really landed much change. We've complained about the statues. And we've complained about the misrepresentation and mischaracterization of history. But very little has changed. And today, between the Black Lives Matter uh, um, movement picking up steam because of the the murder of George Floyd uh, and and others um it, the combination of that uh questioning police the 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 way the police have responded to protests with even, even more violence the combination of that with a very racist president in the in the white house uh there's just a lot of things that are coming together that are Affecting change now is it the big and substantive change that that many of us want? No, but there 's a part of it that says to me, these are small victories, but they 're victories that encourage us. I mean, they are removing the Roosevelt statue from in front of the Museum of natural history in uh, in New York and it is among the most racist statues it 's got Roosevelt on a horse with a native, a native man, and a uh, and it, I don't even want to say he's a slave. It looks like an African warrior or something, and and they're both carrying guns for Roosevelt. I mean, it it, it it's a it's a statue that is meaningless in the overall scheme of history because it never happened. But but it 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 shows you know Roosevelt as, as the higher you know standing high on a horse he's got a beast of burden and two beasts of burden on either side of him in uh in in human beings and that's being removed look we've been throwing paint on the damn things we've protested in front of the thing every year uh, when we do the uh, indigenous people's day gathering uh uh, that's and, and we do that we do that gathering on randall's island in new york there's usually some sort of connection between that and, and protesting at the Columbus statue, at Columbus Circle, and at the, uh, at the Roosevelt statue at the Museum of Natural History. And we've never seen this kind of change. Um, th- these Confederate statues that are coming down, these, uh, you know, look, there are people who are toppling Columbus statues, uh, Huna Serra statues, um, I, and, and this is a guy who the Catholic Church has made a saint, and yet they're being toppled. Now I know some people are going to say, "Yeah, but these are just symbols." But they're symbols that we have spoken out against for decades, and you know what? They're coming down. Some of them are being taken down by you know city orders, and you know the, you know politicians have uh, you know have, have moved to take them down, and others are coming down because the people are taking them down. They're they're toppling them. I mean, just I think it was just yesterday. A group tried to pull the Andrew Jackson statue down in front of the White House. Unfortunately, they weren't successful. But but the idea that people are that motivated to do something that you know obviously is pissing off the President of the United States, which is a, which is always a good thing. Um, but these, I mean, I'm encouraged by this because you know, the, like I said, these are kind of small victories, but they're victories nonetheless. And and I'll, and I'll tell you, as I look at the young people today. I've got to say, you do more than what we did, because we didn't do enough. I mean, and I've said it before. I've said it here before on this show. So, I still want to encourage young people to do more. And you know, when they look, when when this current generation, and I've already you know resigned to the fact that I'm kind of the older generation, but but the current generation that is rising into power. I don't mean politically. I just mean. You know, just as as you know, young adults and and, and middle aged adults that are that are really starting to take stock in their own power. They they will recognize that we did some things, and I want them to top what we did. I mean, look, we we fostered the sovereignty movement and you know pushing back and you know the, and there were all kinds of things that were done. Everything from you know treaty council, AIM, you know, warrior societies, um, white right, uh, white roots of peace. There was there were a lot of Things that happened, and there were events. There was the the Oka crisis, the you know the pushback at Gunawadage. I mean, uh, us pushing back in Gunawage. There was a you know a lot of things that took place. You know, Gnionge, um Akwasasne. There were so many things that happened. I mean, coming up, you know, fairly recently with, with Standing Rock. I mean, the our, the BIA takeover back in you know in the seventies. There were so many things. Alcatraz. So many things that happened, but. <laughs> we never really accomplished all of our goals and i'm not sure that any generation will but it's important that we that we build a track record of some of of success not just resistance resistance has to mean something so there has to be a certain level of of not just resistance but accomplishing something and look these statues and and not allowing the misrepresentation of history to continue i mean look we're we're fighting a lot of pushback from you know from, from racists and and white people who don't even believe they're racist, they just are made very very uncomfortable comfortable because we're disrupting what they thought was normal and and what it has been normalized to them, which is the misrepresentation of history I mean we tell the story of Columbus and we and you know somebody's you know, somebody suggested, well, maybe we need to write the plaques that go on these things well I mean if I wrote a plaque, I'd say, well you know um. A famous rapist uh, um, and you know genocidal murderer. I mean, uh, you know, one of the founders of the slave trade. I mean, I would you know list all of these terrible things, and then somebody and, th- and then what do you do at the end of that? After you list all these terrible things, what do you say? Oh, and by the way, he's also the the symbol of Italian American heritage. Well, who the hell's going to want claim those two things together? So we have the opportunity to add truth. To a lot of these um, mischaracterizations of history, and and when I say mischaracterization, I got to be clear, there are lies, omissions, and then there are the mischaracterizations, and um, and I'm not even going to try to guess which there are more of because there, well, I, I guess you'd almost have to say that there's more omission than anything, but but when you del- when you do delve into a subject, and then you lie about it or you misrepresent it so significantly that, that it takes on a completely different meaning, we, we have to challenge that. They're not going to fix that stuff. They're not going to change that. I mean, I mean, I even saw some Native people post, you know, try to tell the story of the woman behind Aunt Jemima. Oh, and now that's, that history is buried. Well, you know what? The history has been buried the whole time. I never heard anybody tell me the history of Aunt Jemima until they took her off the package. And and the reality is, it was blatant, stereotypical imagery that these companies, which ultimately would be, I think it was, is it Pepsi? Pepsi that owns it, uh, um, whatever company ultimately owned um, the brand, I guess. But this wasn't something that 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 advanced some sort of African American prowess. This was just a marketing tool. So again, I, all I've got to say. Is that we have some success here, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in, in in so many different places. I mean, I'm actually a little surprised that so many things have come together. I mean, obviously the Confederate statues issue, you know, has has been, you know, a, a, a fomenting issue for a while here, but all of a sudden we we got attention on on Columbus. It's even starting to to um, get into things like um the uh the mascot issue all of a sudden the mascot issue is starting to get a whole lot of, a lot of attention again and and you know what i got to tell you even there i'm encouraged look we we have some real jerks um some that claim to be native some who, who actually do have native ancestry but they're so sold out that um they're when they say they're not bothered by uh, you know by, by the 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 name of of the Washington football team that's one thing, but then then you hear them say, "Yeah, but I really don't like the all the dress up. I don't I don't like the the people." Well, wait a second, that goes hand in hand. These are some of the conversations that I'm having on Twitter, and I said, "Look, nobody, there's no native people who enjoy or uh, who are neutral about the mockery that takes place with these with these mascots." I had somebody come back to me and say. Yeah, but I don't think mockery is what they're doing. I said, what do you mean you don't know, think what mockery And he says, I don't think the teams are, are in, intend mockery. I says, it doesn't matter what the teams intend. What are the fans doing? They're putting on paint. They're putting on feathers. They, the cheerleaders are, you know, little, their little Pocahontas uh, outfits. The, the fight songs, the, the, the sports announcers, the, you know, the in-house sports announcers, the media, every, the whole thing is mockery. Yeah, the the guys playing are are men in tights. They're not wearing uh, they're they're not wearing native outfits. They're not dressing up as native people. They're not the ones making a mockery, other than playing for a team with a name. But you you have all of the fans and the opposing fans. I mean, I always have to cite the the Philadelphia Eagle fan who who put, impales an Indian head, a rubber Indian head, and hoists it up at the game when the when the Eagles play the the Washington football team. But. See, in having these conversations, I honestly I think winning a few people over, and and we are clearly winning that battle too. High school after high school after high school is dropping not just the, the, the R word and the and the racial slurs, but the native mascot imagery in general. We're we're winning this thing. I mean, look, we see a few high schools making the news because they're, they're trying to put a, a firmer stance against it. And you know, obviously we see the the uh the Washington football team, you know, trying to double down on, on on the racial slur that they call themselves. But the Cleveland baseball team kind of retiring imagery, they're keeping the name so far, but you're seeing movement. I mean, or I'm seeing movement anyway. And the more conversations, I mean, look, the conversation I have with with somebody about the Washington football team is, even look, that Philadelphia Eagle fan, that should end the conversation. The fact that he, the NFL, and these, and whether it's just the Eagle, the the Eagle Stadium or whatever, allow a guy with a duffel bag with a with a fake sword and an Indian head and allows him allows him in there, and and not only is he allowed to hoist it up. That same guy got put on television, not only uh, as an Eagles fan, but as a, a Philadelphia Flyers fan when they're playing against the, the the Blackhawks. So that and these names, Blackhawk, Braves, Indians, Warriors, you know, obviously the R word, they encourage and, and invite the opposing um, teams, the opposing fans, to mock the name. I mean, with their, you know, squaw, Pocahontas, you know, all you know all these, you know, scalp them, you know, get ready for another trail of tears, all of these things. So as I'm having the conversation with some people who are really trying to say, look, it, it's not intended to be, look, don't tell me about intention. Let's talk about the reality of things. And the reality is our images are being mocked. They're being mocked by fans, you know, uh, for and against they're being i mean signs being put up you know uh, uh, you know when when two when a team plays a team with a with a native mascot about alcohol and reservation and you know trail of tears i mean we see it over and over and over again but because we're speaking out we're actually having some success now are we going to end racism I, no but we're going to put it in the box that it belongs in, and we're going to make sure that when somebody tries to argue against us about what is racist and what isn't racist, that we are more armed with with more information, with more evidence, and shame some people. And, and we are doing it. Look, I, I also put a post up on Facebook this week where I made it clear that while I support Americans... Who are trying to fight for equality, especially you know marginalized uh, U.S. citizens like black people and you know um, uh, brown people, whoever people of you know uh, LGBT. I mean, whoever is oppressed, um, whoever the marginalized groups are, I support and and I stand with you in your fight for equality. But I'm not fighting for my equality within the U.S. system. I'm not fighting for my constitutional rights. I reject their constitution. I reject their citizenship. So what I'm fighting for, for me and for my people, is different than what I'm supporting others for. And I, and, and I want to say that I'm not trying to diminish what other people are fighting for, the civil rights and, and all that. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to you know, disrespect that at all. Look, if you're a, a citizen of the United States, you should fight for everything that you're entitled to. I mean, although that's a slippery slope because some of what Americans claim to be entitled to is the stuff they took from us. So, so I guess there's a line there that, I don't, that I'm not prepared to cross here. But um, but as far as equality goes, I mean, you know, both... I supported both what Malcolm X stood for and what Martin Luther King stood for. But I also, you know, um, supported what, what Muhammad Ali stood for. You know, Rosa Parks, all of it. But But again... I'm not trying to fight for my civil rights. I reject not only the Constitution, but, but any constitutional authority over us. I'm fighting for a free and independent existence. I'm not fighting for isolation. So when I say a free and independent existence, I mean that where we control our destiny, where we make our decisions, where we're not in a constant battle with states and federal governments, uh, you know, U.S. side or Canadian side for to fight for our distinction. I mean, I I I brought up before I'm, I talked about the the, um, the Mashpee uh, Wampanoag fight in, in trying to reclaim land. In trying to reclaim land using the fee to trust process, they literally have to not just prove that they are under U.S. jurisdiction and acknowledge and accept that they're under U.S. jurisdiction to get land and to, not even get, they can buy the land, but to have it classified as quote-unquote Indian country, I know I hate the words, um, they have to prove, again, not just that they're under U.S. jurisdiction today, but that they were under jurisdiction 80 years ago, in, in 1934. I mean, how bizarre is that? That in order to gain any level of distinction, you have to, Acknowledge, accept, sub, s- submit to losing some of that distinction, especially as it relates to things like jurisdiction. See, this is the challenge. And, and look, I don't blame the mastery Wampanoag, or you know, or the Shinnecock, or you know, some of the folks in, in the Carolinas who are fighting for state recognition or federal recognition. I, I get it, but I'm not fighting for that. I'm not fighting to be a tribe, band, or nation of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States or under the U.S. Constitution. No, that's not what I'm fighting for. Now, I'll fight for the rights of others and I'll stand, I'll march with Black Lives Matter, I'll stand up and I'll I'll protest, you know, uh, and you know I'll write and, and I'll lend my voice and, and to some extent my body, I guess, to, to some of these good fights. But make no mistake about it. There is a little different goal here. And, and, and I wish I could help make a compelling argument that other marginalized people could stand in the same place that we're trying to stand as distinct people separate from them. But that's not going to fly. I, I, you know, I look, I, I wish that were the case. I mean, it would be great if black people could assert themselves as, you know, as a distinct nation. You know, uh, or, or distinct people, but that kind of counters everything from the segregation and you know and you know separate but equal stuff because uh, that, that all has a different flavor. But from a native standpoint, we have land. We have land, and and although the the federal government would like to claim that much of that land is held by them in federal trust, that's just their you know that's just lip service you know that they pay themselves. I know it's hard for, to reacquire lost land for many people like like the Mashpee Wampanoag, but we have a lot of land that we're that we're willing to defend. And and we are willing to assert more and more of our regulatory and the lack of regulatory control by the federal and state governments, but more of our power and and sovereignty over that land. Even though the United States rejects that. I mean, i've talked about the five policies of the united states the first being extermination just to kill just to kill Uh, and and that's the first but it never quite stops along the lines there there's the effort to um uh to assimilate and then remove native people from their you know push them out of the way so there's again extermination assimilation removal then there's termination termination is when they can decide that we're no longer the distinct people that that we, that we claim to be that we no longer warrant being identified and and this has been going on for a long time too yeah you know, you've, you had native people who could only list themselves as black or white they couldn't even list themselves as Native people. That, that's part of the, the, uh, the North Carolina history and some of those Southern states. So there's that. And, and then there's a whole lot of so-called tribes that were terminated. They literally had a, a, a process within the federal government to say, we no longer recognize, and this is the way they were, our trust responsibility to do because you are now Americanized enough. So that's what termination was about. Then they began to adopt this notion of self determination. But self-determination has different meanings depending on who's saying it. In the in the international community, when you talk about self determination, it talks to be about being able to assert you know governing authority, not just within your territory, but you know, at your borders or uh, you know and, and how you represent yourself to other governments, the United States says no we don 't mean when we say self determination we just mean internal self determination that that they can have members, not citizens that they can have members of their tribe, not citizens of their nation not we 're not going to recognize them as distinct peoples we 're going to recognize that they have membership in um, in a group that is now completely subjugated that that's what the federal government recognizes as self-determination and, and in fact in their um, uh, national security agency b- b- put it more plainly they said we do not recognize the right of native people to assert sovereignty over their lands wait what that, That's and let me say it again the, the, the National Security Agency, they wrote that they rejected the notion that Native people could assert sovereignty over their lands. So, in other words, the United States is claiming sovereignty over our lands, even though they have no title to it. I mean, I've, I've talked about from a, from a Seneca standpoint, there is no moment in history where either the land or jurisdiction of, our, of the people... Was transferred to the United States I, I don't care what the United States claimed I mean they can claim what they want But there was no legal process Where we surrendered Land title Where we surrendered jurisdiction Or asked to be annexed Or asked to be you know, Under their wing you know, and, and we have to really go at length To make sure that we say this properly Because there are people among us Who have the story all screwed up I mean, I, when I hear somebody lifting up the George Washington belt and say, well, this is the, the belt associated with the Canada Treaty. No, it isn't. That belt re- symbolizes subjugation. It's not even ours. It was, it was built, it, it was constructed by an Oneida craftsman under commission to George Washington. George Washington ordered that. It wasn't our representation of some sort of agreement. But we have our own people. And, and some of the iconic leaders, you know, or, <laughs> I say leaders, but the, the iconic Native personalities out there who, I mean, they'll put feathers in their hair and go wear gustoas and headdress and they'll walk around and they'll, they'll pose for pictures in Washington with this damn thing. It is, it, it's a travesty. So, but the more voices, you know, like mine and others who are telling, trying to commit truth to to not just to power, but to public and say, look, understand what's really happening here. And when our voices, and I don't mean just mine, but when our voices start to have enough impact to bring Roosevelt statues down, to bring Andrew Jackson statues down, I mean, one of the guys who was considered, you know, um, one of the main perpetrators of the removal policies, um, when even Lincoln statues are being, I mean, I, I got to thank Jake for posting that picture of of uh, the Lincoln statue in Washington, where he's got this subservient man on his knees. I think still in chains, and you know, from one angle, one of the angles of that uh, of that statue, it literally looks like Lincoln is petting a black man like a dog. And there are people who are saying, "Hell no! Oh, hell no!" We're tearing that uh, that bad boy down. So, when Lincoln statues are being considered, you know, viable targets for for not only uh, toppling them, but but certainly you know, telling some truth about them. Columbus, I mean this um, uh, Juan de Onate. I don't know how to say his name, but anyway, the, this conquistador who was, you know, who you know murdered um, the native people of, of Mexico. Uh, his statue uh, was toppled. The Roosevelt statue is being removed. I mean, I think about all of these things happening. They are these are successes, but but again, this is just the beginning, I and mean, and we're at the beginning of a lot of things. I mean, this this uh, COVID nineteen. The United States isn't out of the woods with this thing. The United States is racking up more cases per day. Still, than any other country uh, in the world. I mean, Brazil's starting to rack up a bunch of them, but not, but I think only on, on one or two days has Brazil racked up a higher uh, new case rate than uh, than the United States. In fact, yesterday I think, or today, I'm sorry, today the United States had the third highest in the whole in the whole. Time that this COVID nineteen is the been going on, it was the third highest day for new cases, third. And you know, th- and this is the curve that's supposed to be down. I will say the death rate does seem to be down, but the new cases rate, it's going the other way. I mean, you've got California adding six thousand new cases a day. You've got Texas adding four or five. You've got um, Florida adding four or five or three or four. I mean, uh, Arizona. And even states like North Carolina and South Carolina that, you know, that you would not necessarily associate. In fact, other southern states, you know, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, these states are all, they're all spiking with the number of cases. So that's just the beginning. You know, I, I know everybody thinks, oh yeah, we got through the worst of it. I don't know that that's true. The economic impact of what's been shut down for three months. We haven't. We're at the beginning of this thing. We, we don't know where what what it's going to totally do to the to, not just to the U.S. economy but the global economy. This thing is still crashing. It didn't crash a month ago or two months ago. Hell, the the federal government kept printing more money and th- and throwing it to you in the mail and in your checking accounts. You haven't suffered yet financially. I know some of you have, but. As far as the the real negative impact on the economy, we're at the beginning, folks. You know what else? You know what else we're at the beginning of? Hurricane season. Oh yeah, remember those? <laughs> yeah, this is the beginning of the hurricane season, and you know, with climate change and with, with change, you know, a new study came out that said hurricanes appear to be moving slower. Now I got to clear this up. It doesn't mean that they're rotating slower i mean we're, we're still talking about you know three four five number five uh radar hurricanes but how slow they move and you know what that that's worse why is that worse because the slower a hurricane moves the more rain it dumps the more flooding it causes this could be um a, an exceptional year for hurricanes i'm not rooting for it and because the most vulnerable people, you know, people in the Bahamas and Puerto Rico, I mean, uh, some of the most impoverished people on the planet are the ones who bear the brunt of this. And, and and U.S. corporations just figure out how to make more money off of it. The Home Depots and, you know, the uh, the bankers and the insurance companies, they, they just figure out how not to pay, how to collect more, you know, uh, policy dollars and, and pay less uh, less out in terms of settlements. I mean, it's 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 disgusting uh it, it's it's literally disgusting, so that's what's what's happening and we still have uh, the social unrest that is still spiking you know and, and still going on because of uh, you know well what got kicked off by the murder of george floyd <laughs> this is really going to be interesting because you know what happens at the end of uh you know when when some of these people get indicted and uh, like the the uh, the cop who who, who shot um, uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, I'm sorry the the, the guy in Atlanta uh, who got shot in the back um, some of these indictments are not going to turn into convictions so then what do we do? Do we, do we raise hell all over again or do we keep the pressure on every day? see, I did a show a few weeks ago and I said don't let people tell you to stop and i'll I'll say it again you got to ignore those people who are saying stop you've got to keep the pressure on because there are there's a lot of injustice there's a lot of injustice that needs to be sorted out so we can't stop and if we do stop we run the risk of blowing the opportunity that we have for for substantive change i mean the, the the minnesota state legislature for all of the the noise over you know the the police and you know, and and the you know the the death by cop and the and the racism, they didn't they didn't vote for, to change anything. They they actually went through their um their legislative cycle without without anything, no banning chokeholds, nothing, nothing. So we have to keep the pressure on. Now the governor uh, of uh, Minnesota can call them back into session, but but will that happen? Who knows? Who knows? So we have to keep the pressure on. And I'm not just saying pressure, look, by all means, pressure the politicians who, who, who still should be making some changes. But look, if you've got systemic racism, and let me take it back, you have systemic racism in the police department. It's not the police officers, it's the whole system. And it, it doesn't matter if you, have a, if you have black officers, the system is racist. It doesn't matter if you have a black chief of police, the system is racist. It doesn't matter if you've got a black mayor, a black governor, or a black president. It doesn't change because that's just name tags. That's just, you know, skin color changing. That's not changing the systems. That's where we have to come in. And we've got to step up. We've got to step up every single day to stop the abuse. All right, hey, we're at, the, uh, we're, we're at the bottom of the hour, so um, I know we ran a little bit late, and, and I apologize, but uh, uh, we'll take a break. We're, we're about halfway through, and we'll take a break and we'll come right back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. <laughs> Thanks for coming back this is john kane this is let's talk native hey i want to give a shout out to my sponsors i want to thank ross and holly john and the rje family of businesses i want to thank eric white and erw enterprises and the folks at grand river enterprises and native wholesale supply i also want to thank the individuals and there are you know there's a number of them that uh on occasion will will drop a check in the mail and it allows us to you know to do what we do here and and sometimes expand a little bit more what we're doing here so we're always trying to improve the product a little bit, and sometimes that, <laughs> those attempts get us uh, uh, to start a little late. So I apologize, but um, trust me, we're always working to improve what we're doing here. So um, uh, those who, who support the show financially um, really enable us to do that. Those of you who who support the show by watching, by sharing, by having the conversations that we 're encouraging people to have you 're also a big part of what we're of what our agenda here is what our mission is here, so I want to thank all of you for for that type of support as well. Um, hey, I do need to make a correction I said nsa i uh, uh, and Jake and I were talking off um, uh, during the break it It was actually the National Security Council, which is they're a little bit differently. So this was this is an, um, a, a council that advises the the United States on national security issues, um, and they were the ones who issued a statement saying, basically saying that they they um, the United States does not, and they were speaking on behalf of the United States that they reject the notion that that native um, that self determination um was anything was not that it was not the uh international definition of self-determination because they when the united states uses that expression they only mean internal and they don't mean that they recognize our right to assert sovereignty over our own lands so so i mean that's um i want to want to clarify because one's a spy agency and, and and one is um more of a uh, another bureau, federal bureaucracy, I guess. So, um, and the name—it was uh, Richard uh, Brooks who was uh, shot in the back um, by uh, um, by one pl- Atlanta police officer, but there were two cops involved. Um, so, as, as I said, we're only at the beginning of a lot of things, you know. And, and I've talked a little bit about the what may still come with um, with just printing more money to to. You know, dupe people into believing they can get through this. You know, shutting down the economy the way they did and that kind of thing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when when the piper has to get paid with all this and and what it's all going to mean. And obviously, it's also another excuse for the federal government and the GOP in particular to to throw a bunch, a, a ton of money at their, um you know at, at corporations. And you know, even though. If you help the people, that should help the corporations. But they get help both ways. They get help with direct, you know, billions of dollars, and then um, you throw a bunch of money at people and you tell them to go out and spend it. And so the corporations benefit again. So it's, uh, but there's a there's a price to be paid for this. You know, I'm not a believer in karma, but there is almost nothing you can do th- w- that involves an expense and and i don't mean just an expense of money but an expenditure of energy or or taking something you know taking resource there's a there's consequence there's there's uh, something's got to reciprocate ultimately there has to be some balance and, and, and i'm not saying you know all bad evil people pay the price and, and all good people will you know be rewarded that's not necessarily the case because it is not the individual it's what man does and what man receives so there's a there's a cost to all this. And when that cost comes due, it isn't just those who benefited the most from creating that that deficit. Every, you know, everybody's going to pay for some of it. So the part of the reason for the protest, part of the reasons for for, for readying yourself is knowing that things that this is just the beginning and things are going to get worse. So, while I say it's the beginning of of us having success in terms of affecting change, it's also the very beginning of of things unraveling. We wouldn't be at this moment if there wasn't an unraveling of you know of the racist systems that exist. There wouldn't we wouldn't be at this moment if we if we weren't in the middle or at the beginning of a recognition about income disparity. I mean, we're really just at the beginning and all the things that can get worse probably will get worse. So we have, that's even more of a reason for us to stay active. I know people are going to tell you to Uh, settle down stop toppling statues i mean i trump tried to make some statement about how he was going to lock people up for you know for toppling statues you know trump doesn't have it he doesn't have any any of that kind of power anyway so i mean look is there a cost to um uh to knocking a statue down yeah if you get caught doing it you're there probably is going to be some sort of a cost but you know we get through it and we'll support you and, and and we'll do everybody will will rally behind you but but this gets to another point and I've talked about this on the show before a lot of people are saying well we must only do peaceful protests well there's a difference between a peaceful protest and a non-violent protest toppling a statue may not seem peaceful but it's not violent um, like I said unless you topple that statue on top of people <laughs> it's not a violent act so and and we saw this, you know, with Standing Rock. We saw this in in so many of these these other places where our people have stood up. Sometimes you've got to do some things. You can't just, you know, do prayer circles and burn tobacco and and hold up signs. Sometimes you have to disrupt. And and look, you know, everybody tried to make a big deal and say, "Oh, this is all about riots." I didn't see as much, uh, uh, for all of the talk of rioting, I didn't see nearly as much as frankly I'd hoped for. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, I mean I would have rather seen some property destruction. I would have rather seen more more statues toppled. I would have rather seen more police cars destroyed. I mean I, I'm, I'm saying that, of course, I wasn't in New York City you know smashing windshields either, but a peaceful protest. If you're not prepared to to be disruptive, which may not seem peaceful, but you can be disruptive and still be nonviolent. So when people talk about nonviolent direct actions, that's that's what we need to do until until you know all hell breaks loose, and then you know other people have to make different decisions, I guess. Now I'm not um, I'm not advocating you know an all-out war, but I got to tell you. Yeah, and, and jake was quick to remind me <laughs> for anybody who says you can't take on you know the united states military mi- militarily or you know or take on the police i don't know i've seen i've seen third world countries you know pretty much hand it to, to the united states pretty good vietnam you know, korea you know um japan gave the united states you know qu- quite a bit of what it could, all that it could handle in, in many regards considering it's a small tiny little country in the midst of a you know a, a major global conflict as an insurgency, the people who are home we can stand up, and I don't care if they call the national guard i don't care if they call if they you know if, if Trump tries to use you know some sedition actor or whatever else or whatever he's going to try to use to to justify um you know- mi- using military against. Uh, domestically, be careful what you wish for. I mean, we we're home, you know. And and I say this not just as native people, but but even people in the in the urban environment. If you're going to bring in National Guard from from some place that some from a state where the people are totally unfamiliar with places like Detroit or New York City, you know, or, or Milwaukee or Los Angeles, well, good luck. i tell you if i gotta lay my lay my money down i'm laying it down on the people who, who live there because they're gonna know how to i mean they're gonna know how to handle themselves in a conflict so look i know this sounds really radical some of the things that i'm saying but i just don't think we can live in fear i think we have to live with the hope that we can affect change because people don't rebel because they're being oppressed they don't they they do not revolt because they're being oppressed they revolt because they see an opportunity for change hope they they have an idea of where they want to go they have a goal so when we begin resisting which you don't you you can start your resistance just based on oppression and that's that's a good reason to, to resist but when you want to really affect change, you have got to have hope that you're going to achieve that change. Otherwise, you know, we're we're all just really desperate. And and I don't, I'm not trying to you know push people into a into a a point of desperation. I want to push people to a point of hope, a hope hope for change. And and I've said it before. I don't vote, so I'm not gonna you know. There's no way that that I'm gonna vote for change. <laughs> and you you to, to, anybody thinks you're going to vote or pray your way out of this problem out of these problems i mean we've got a handful uh, climate change we have global conflicts i mean look the united states trump is still you know you know making overtures you know aggressive overtures towards china well that doesn't sound like a real smart thing to do right now you know, there's there's conflict still going on in in Syria in 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 the Middle East you know the United States is still talking about trying to do regime change in Venezuela I mean there are there's conflict everywhere globally there's conflict politically within countries all over the world including here in the United States there is conflict socially racism anti-racism you know police versus the public the the levels of conflict go from everything from neighborhood to nation to international and that's i'm not making this stuff up you 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 only have to watch a, any little bit of news to see this stuff we're still in in i would say the middle if not the beginning a of a global pandemic it's not over yet look there's no question that there was a lot more loss of life early on because of incompetence in, uh, in leadership that allowed as many as, as many as 30% of those who have died of COVID-19 were in nursing homes and extended care facilities. I mean, how ridiculous is that? How ignorant is that? That, you know, guys like Andrew Cuomo and, you know, uh, and, and governors in New Jersey, 50% of the people who died in New Jersey were, were, were nursing home deaths. I mean, how do you not protect not only the most vulnerable, but of people who are already somewhat secluded? So, look, the, the, the death rate may be dropping, but the infection rate is still expanding. Not And and it's expanding in other co- countries too, not just the United States. The United States, the infection rate hasn't slowed down. And anybody who suggests that the infection rate is, um, or that the numbers are only rising because they're testing more, there's still not random testing. Everybody who gets a COVID-19 test right now is, is either somebody who has symptoms or was exposed to somebody who tested positive. I mean, I mean that's, that isn't even just random sampling. I mean, and if you did that, you'd find even more people who were asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. But when you see the numbers coming out of Brazil and still out of Russia, India... Is finally, you know, I I think India finally passed New York State with more cases than New York State. I mean, think of just wrapping your head around that. New York State, up until last week, had more cases than a country of three point three billion people. I mean, look, I know the numbers are only as accurate as you know. as as the test thing so i i but but still so india is finally starting to either tell some truth or or, or coming to own what covid-19 is doing to their to their country and so they're uh, 1.3 billion point three billion one point. Oh yeah yeah you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. A billion more people in the United States. That's what I guess what I really got should have said. Yeah, 1.3 billion people. Yeah, that yeah, that'd be a really big country. But I mean, look. It is um the infection rates are are spreading. I'm mean, South American countries, you know, are really starting to get hit with this thing. Um you know, and like I said, you know, Pakistan, India, uh, Indonesia, Bangladesh; these countries are all the the infection rates are still growing. I mean, this isn't slowing down any. So anybody who thinks that you know that the we're over the hump, over the curve, not globally, and and frankly, in the United States, like, like I'll say it again. Today, the number of new cases today was the third highest uh, recorded number of new cases since this whole thing started. The third highest. So, it ain't over, folks. So, when I, when I think about everything that's coming forward, the last thing we need to do is to stop pushing for change. All of these things, including hurricane season and climate change, those are all the more reasons for us to do more and fight for more. Look, we've got to change some lifestyles. It's not enough to say we've got to change the system of police and defund the police. We have to... Look, we all have to own some things here too about behavior. I mean, look, there was a time, and I don't mean just neighborhood watch stuff. I mean, there was a a time that, that we as people would accept more responsibility for not just ourselves, but for the people around us. Now... We'll defend bad behavior. And look, and I'm not saying that it, that if you do see bad behavior that it warrants killing somebody. I mean, Richard Brooks didn't des- I mean, look, he didn't want to get, uh, he, he fought being handcuffed after being, you know, he was going to be arrested for drunk driving. And he resisted arrest and, and took off. But he didn't, I mean, he just took off. He should not have done it. And, and and a day later in a clear head he probably would have been full of regret maybe not remorse but he would have been full of regret but instead he got shot in the back so, but we if the whole conflict between cops and and the public wasn't so bad so when I hear white people say well you know if you don't do anything illegally you have nothing to worry about well that's a load of crap there are people who were who are, I mean Tamir Rice was a 12-year-old kid with an airsoft gun and he was killed by police. He wasn't asked, you know, there was no warning, there was no talk him down and understand, okay, oh, it's a toy, all right, well, that's okay. No, shoot first and ask questions later. And they didn't even allow him to get first aid, get any medical treatment for like 40 minutes. The kid probably, might've, he might have lived. And 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 again, let me remind people, no convictions there. No convictions for Freddie Gray, no conviction for for Eric Garner, um, no conviction for Sandra Bland. No, no. I mean, even when there was indictments, there was no conviction. So, if we all, I mean, here's what we learned with, with uh, Freddie Gray: when the indictments came down, everybody stopped protesting. Everybody said, "Okay, they were indicted," and of course, none of them were uh, were convicted. So what did we stop protesting for? Why did we stop? I mean, I was, look, I was on 7th Avenue in New York City, you know, uh, right after Freddie Gray. And then everybody went to sleep because they they got indicted. It's not enough. The system is flawed. And that's not the only system that's flawed. You know, every everything that we have come to know is normal because of Capitalism, because of you know global dominance by the United States, we're going to come to learn that it's not normal behavior. I mean it, it defies nature it is, it, It's an unnatural level of consumption. this idea that that some people have these insatiable appetites for more and more and more. That's not natural. It doesn't exist anyplace else. There, there are no other species on the planet where the goal of that species is to accumulate so much that they kill off their own species. I'm, I'm not saying some species don't kill off other species. But the, what's happening with mankind is that we're jeopardizing our own lives because of consumption. Capitalism the free market you know, free my ass so these are the things that we have to really consider and these are the reasons that we can't stop we've got to keep going this is just the beginning we've got more statues to topple <laughs> we've got more police departments to to dismantle we've got more systems of oppression you know again uh, the native word that, that has become so you know catchy is decolonization. Well, decolonization isn't just about solving some of the problems of decolonization. It's unraveling. It's dismembering. It's ta- it's it's untangling ourselves from the systems of oppression. Not trying to make those systems work for us. Not figure out let us replicate what what what, uh, what the the uh, urban police departments look like, and we'll put them on the reservations. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why would we replicate a failed system? And yet we replicate their courts, we replicate their uh, uh, their governance, we replicate their uh, their, their, uh, their police departments, we replicate child services, we replicate everything that they do that's wrong. We got to change, and we got to change for the better. And I say that not just as a native person. I say that as a person who just feel strongly about what uh, what what all of us are going through look i want to thank you guys for listening hey um i am doing my new york show this week so um you, you can catch let's talk uh on on wbai and of course streaming right here on facebook live we'll do that thursday at three o'clock so you can catch a uh, catch a uh, regan de and john kane with let's talk on uh, on thursday we'll see you then Yahweh